Hey, friends of the Force, it's your host, Brad Whipple here, and today on episode 11, we are welcoming Eric Eilerson. He is the content manager and editor-in-chief for Utini.com, and he's also the co-host of Living Force podcast, and we're also joined by Alderanian Rose, so it's going to be a great episode. We're covering Comic-Con reveals, as well as doing a full spoiler review for Alphabet Squadron, so tune in for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I also want to give a special shout out to our patrons. Uh, we got Neil Lowry, and we also have two more people joining the fold. We got DJ Blake, as well as Rural Farm Boy Anthony. So thank you three for joining the Friends of the Forest Patreon. It's so great to see your continued support for the show. And uh, that kind of support is really going to help us continue to grow, continue to get more guests on, uh, and also push out more content for Friends of the Forest. So for all of you listening, hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, welcome to Friends of the Force. This is your host, Brad Whipple. Joining me today are two guests. We got Eric and we got Rose. So it's a very special episode. We got a duo here. One's from uh, Michigan, one's from Ukraine. So we're, we're really uh, spreading out here at Friends of the Force. It's great. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. No, it's going to be a good one. Today, we're going to be talking about... Uh, Comic Con coming hot off the hot off the press with everything that's going on there, and then we will be reviewing Alphabet Squadron. Even though this book came out a month ago, it's never too late to do a review, and I'm super excited to talk about it because this book was awesome. Uh, yep. So yeah, let's get right into it though. Uh, Comic Con guys, I am still reeling from the uh, you know I I know it's a Star Wars podcast, but I like to think the Force encompasses all different franchises. <laughs> uh <laughs> so uh marvel was king this weekend first off pretty pretty spectacular stuff that they got going on there um did that guy did that blow your guys's minds like it did for me <laughs> i i was in utter awe of what they did honestly like i mean we, i know we're all waiting for like d23 um we already had stuff at celebration like it's, it's a pretty good time to be a star wars fan for sure so with comic-con i was thinking okay we're not gonna get any huge like we already got our journey two books announced like i i kind of i was bracing myself for not a lot of excitement and then that marvel panel happened and man we're getting jane foster thor we're getting blade we're like, <laughs> they're doing dr strange is doing the multiverse like i i was i was screaming in a restaurant i was at actually because I, I was a couple friends just following on twitter and i could not believe what they're doing in the next two years it's yeah, amazing it's insane yeah, I'm so excited, especially with uh, Natalie Portman returning, and I just didn't see that coming, and I'm so excited for her as an actress and just for her career to see how, her, especially her arc even in the MCU, Yeah. just I really did not like Thor 2, but I liked how she showed up in Endgame, and I'm really excited for this film, and I just, it's really a cool, I don't know, kind of a redemption arc for her as an actress in this role that she gets to come back in an amazing role. So I'm so excited this little crossover with our Padme, so our queen forever. I'm, I'm super excited. <laughs> exactly, and it's like Natalie Portman, I feel, is such a good actress, but she's been in like, again, I, lo I love the prequels, I do, but she's been in the slightly lesser quality like nerd movies, right? So like yeah. she's in Star Wars, but her performance wasn't exactly directed amazingly. She's in Marvel, but to say, like, her character wasn't written quite as well as it could be, so now it's like, okay, finally, you're going to get that giant check for being in a superhero movie, but you also get to feel like a badass. So I'm <laughs> yeah. glad that Natalie's getting that little upgrade. Yeah, it's Seriously. it's so good to see her back in, because, I like, 
I just can't believe she's gonna be a Thor, like Thor. And I keep saying the thing, it's like female Thor. No, let's just call her Thor. It's Thor, it's you know? The mighty Thor. Yeah, mighty, <laughs> yeah, yeah the mighty Thor, Thor as Taika Waititi tweeted about. Uh, the fact that she'll be, be playing Mighty Thor and alongside Chris Hemsworth and, and Tessa Thompson, I'm just like, I, I can't even comprehend it. I need somebody very badly to do a, a cartoon drawing of like Padme dressed up holding Thor's hammer and like Anakin looking at her like like in, in total awe and also kind of jealousy, <laughs> like holding Get his lightsaber. It, He's like, oh. <laughs> there, yeah, like, somebody did a thing? fan um, art of her in her outfit on Batu from the uh, Tron, uh, Thrawn Alliances. Oh, and yeah, yeah. she was holding the hammer as well. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah, Alex Leonis too, who was on the show uh, last week, she did a drawing uh, of Natalie Portman as well in costume. So go check that out on her page. It was pretty awesome. Uh, but that's a good time. I'm excited. Comic-Con's always a fun time. I want to hear you guys' thoughts, though. I I've, I keep seeing online, you know, people saying, like, oh, I wish Star Wars, like, released this kind of schedule for, for them, like they're doing for Marvel. And, and in my opinion, I'm wondering, I mean, we just did have Celebration, so, like, we do get our own five-day convention, four- to five-day convention, which is pretty, pretty sweet. Um, but I'm, like, kind of cool with, like, not revealing all the cards at once. Because Marvel's, like, a whole different beast in my mind of just, like, they are, like, constantly on the go building this very large universe that is, is like, in order. But with, like, Star Wars, like, any of the movies can really kind of be at any point in the timeline. So it's not as, like, urgent for them to show, like, what's next. Whereas Marvel, it's, like, sequence by sequence by sequence. Um, and I kind of like having the mystery of what's next, but I, I do hope maybe next year at Celebration we get something like this, in a, maybe less movies, and, and but mm-hmm. um, more of just like what's coming down the pipeline. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, because I think the big thing with Marvel is that they didn't release any of this till after Endgame, right? Like, we, we knew nothing right. post-Endgame until it came out, so I think that's what it's going to be with Episode Nine. Like, yeah. We're, we're, we don't know anything post-9 because they don't want anything to distract from it. Like, we, yep. we are getting Episode Nine. It is finishing off 40 years, and then I'm hoping next celebration. Honestly, I don't care if they copy-paste the template. And it just says, like, <laughs> here's your seven Star Wars products. Do the exact same thing. Like, here's the Cassian series. Here's Mandalorian Season 2. Here's this in Season 3. Yup. Like, here's Kenobi. I mean, like, that's that's what I want for celebration. But, yeah, we're, we're good. We're good right now. I think I, I agree with you until uh, F9 is out. Yeah. What about you, Rose? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm 100% there with Eric, just um, same way. I think everything should be focused on nine for now, and then next year for Celebration 2020 in Anaheim, that'll just be another start of a new era of Star Wars with the Benioff and Weiss announcements of exactly what those films are going to be. It's just, I'm excited for the future. I'm not worried at all, and I'm um, I'm excited about the other things that got focused on, actually, for Star Wars at this um, Comic-Con, actually. Yeah, yeah, I totally, I totally agree. It's it's good from a marketing perspective to focus on the Skywalker saga and like how, like you're saying, the Infinity Saga wrapped up. Now the Skywalker saga is wrapping up. So we're we're putting these labels on these big overarching uh, sagas, and then we're moving into a new phase of Star Wars. So I'm super excited. Although it is so fun to speculate like what that picture would look like on screen oh, for yeah, Star Wars. Absolutely. I might have I might have to design one and just like put some random things up there because I'm like I need to picture it like on like in front of me and see like what would be on there because it'd be so crazy i feel like looking at three years of of star wars so yeah speaking of which uh the big reveals this weekend for star wars is mostly focused around the books and the novels and comics so we got a lot of stuff that came 
into the pipeline. Just to name off a few things, we have Dooku Jedi Lost, the script form of it, which I found out was a hardcover since it's on Amazon for pre-order now. Uh, nice. I, may, I may or may not have already pre-ordered it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got some new covers revealed for some of the kids' books, which look like a lot of fun, uh, especially Rey and her pals, which I keep seeing photos about. The best one I saw was Leia floating like she does in Last Jedi, but she's dunking a basketball over Poe Dameron, which I think is <laughs> just awesome. so good. I need that. Those books are so fun. Jeffrey Brown I know. is such a good artist. Yeah, I need I need to buy that book. I was like, okay, Star Wars at all ages, don't care. Like, we're going to buy it. Uh, <laughs> we also got the Knight of Ren gracing the cover of the Visual Dictionary by Pablo Hidalgo, which I'm super stoked about. And uh, New Vader's Castle series as a follow-up to the, the, the first issues coming out. Uh, now, the big ones, in my opinion, are Rise of Skywalker Allegiance, which is going to be a four... Uh, a four issue mini series taking place after last Jedi leading into the rise of Skywalker. And then drum roll, the rise of Kylo Ren by oh Charles soul, which is obviously like the highlight of the event, which I was like waiting for project luminous. It's okay. I'll, I can wait a little longer, I guess, yep. but this was yep. like the redeemed everything speaking of redemption, but <laughs> it redeemed everything in that panel for me. I was like, yes, all the waiting paid off. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, we were talking over um, on the Living Force podcast where I'm a co-host. Uh, I think it was, must have been last week about what we thought was going to come out of this panel. And I really thought it was going to be announcing that Charles Soule was going to do the episode nine novelization. Because mm-hmm. he was like, I'm announcing something big. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I, I, I wanted it to be luminous, but I'm like, ah, we're probably going to have to wait a year or so. Yeah. Um, but I had no idea this was coming. And man... I have wanted this story in in a book, mostly in a novel form, because I didn't even think about doing it as a comic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, since episode eight, because yeah. the Knights of Ren have been so fascinating. I want to know what turned Ben to Kylo, and it's. I mean, we're we're getting it. It's from Ben to Ren. <laughs> from Ben to Ren, it's famously it's now. Genius. Yeah. Rose, did you freak out? Because I I was with my friends out to dinner and I was like, guys, Star Wars. And they're like, we don't care. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> it was so amazing. Yeah, I couldn't was, contain yeah. it. I, I, I love the comics. I was just super excited to hear that this was in a comic form and it was Charles Soule. And it was just it's so exciting. Uh, also, just for the general audience or the public to hear this coming out of Comic-Con. I think this is the biggest announcement, honestly, of, of Comic-Con 2019 for Star Wars. And mm-hmm. to see that there's Star Wars comics out there. A lot of people I don't think either know that or have ever explored it. And I saw people on Twitter saying, oh, I'm finally going to pick up comics for the first time. This yeah. is making me do it. So I'm excited because that's how I came into Star Wars comics. Well, through Rebels, I was looking for more information on the characters I love. And that's how I fell in love with Star Wars comics. And now I'm addicted. So I'm excited for new fans to find comics and then how that can continue on their love, hopefully, for comics in general. And what a great author to have on this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is what's going to drive a lot of people to now start picking up those comics, like you said. And Eric, you brought you brought up a good point. Like, I thought it would be a book always, but I actually think I like it more in comic form because it's going to give us time to get through it right before the movie. If you release a like a novel about Kylo Ren like the week mm-hmm. before the movie, there's a guarantee I will not finish it. Yep. <laughs> but with like a comic, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna sit down on Sunday morning before the movie comes out, cruise through it, and then get like super amped for that Friday night or that Thursday night when I go see the movie. Um, yeah yeah it's perfect and, and i think there's a good chance too that i mean maybe we meet we, we gotta meet the knights of ren in that comic obviously because they're part of it mm-hmm. so since we're gonna see the knights of ren in episode nine we've already seen maybe now if you read this comic 
you get to go into opening night knowing the names of each of the characters you're going to see on screen yeah. because in a comic, you can actually draw what's going to be on the on the screen. So I don't have to yep. rely on myself remembering a description. I'm like, wait, yeah. no, the guy with the with the with that one arm blade, what was his name again? Like, I can go to the comic and immediately mm-hmm. kind of download that into my brain. So when I go opening night, I can be like, okay, I know who that is. I know who that is. I know who that is. And I know that he punched Kylo in the face when they were 12. And I like, you know, I can <laughs> at least remember some of that story. And that's going to be dope. I would love if this takes place in modern day, but it's like Kylo's remembering of it, you know, like kind of like a flashback yeah. almost. Oh, while he's like putting together the mask again when he's like. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Like I'm almost like of like the Hobbit, like when he's like writing in the book and it like flashes back to like yeah. all of the Except memories of him and the Hobbit. good. Yeah. Shade, <laughs> shade. <Yeah. laughs> I gotta admit, I love the first one a lot, and Smaug looks awesome. Like Benedict Cumberbatch was like the redeeming silver lining oh, yeah. of that movie for me. Like great, great, great time. Great actor. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I love, I love that idea. I hadn't thought about that flashback point of view, but I mean, comics are great for frame stories like that because the artists can really kind of go crazy with the different colorations and kind of representing the different periods of time based on different styles. So that'd be really cool. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm I so who's, I, do you guys know who's writing the Snoke um, Age of Resistance comic that's coming out in September, October? There, Tom I wonder if that'll Taylor? be into it at all. Is that it? Uh, I'm gonna pull up the Google. Yeah, I think it's the Tom Googly. Taylor who's doing all the Resistance because he did the. Oh, super. I think it is. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, who did the Phasma and the Finn one? I, I like the Phasma one a lot. The Finn one was good, um, but I like the Fab the Phasma one was was excellent. So I got a lot of hope for that Snoke one. Yeah, writer Tom Taylor, penciler Leonard Kirk, and the cover artist is Phil Noto. Right. Ooh. Which Phil Noto, I think, is doing... I'm pretty sure he's doing the new Star Wars run. Yep. Yeah, with Greg. Yeah. Yeah. They just started. They got a new issue coming out, um, depending on when this episode drops uh, this week. So... Yeah, the one... uh, I think it's the one where it, like, shows Luke entering uh, some sort of cantina or something on the cover. Yep. Yeah, it looks cool. Oh, they also revealed four more issues of uh, of the Star Wars series as well at Comic-Con. Yeah. Uh, I think it's issues 71 through like 74 or something like that. Um, some of those covers look awesome, one of which is is Vader and Chewbacca fighting, which I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. give me that, please. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> like, Star Wars is dead, right? Yeah, like, I no know. Disney. <laughs> yeah, we're, I don't know about you shows. guys. I'm still getting those like $2 Disney paychecks every week. It's it's really helping me out. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Cut, cut away at the student loan slowly. <laughs> uh, there's also that cool, there's a book coming out, The uh, Galaxy of Adventures, I think it is, uh, or uh, Star Wars Adventures, excuse me. I think it's issue number 27 where it shows uh, Chewbacca going to Kashyyyk, uh, which mm-hmm. is overrun by First Order Troopers, which I'm like, I wasn't really into the Star Wars Adventures comics, but I'm like, now I might pick those up. And it turns out they're yeah, releasing, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're releasing an omnibus in January, I think. Oh, are yeah, they? January 2020. Yeah, it's going to have like all the first like 30 issues, I think. Oh, Mothers of Everything Sacred. That sacred. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I, I need that because I, I, same, I haven't really been touching them uh, myself, but then I heard there's yeah. a, there's a Tally Lintra one coming out. Oh. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Like, I, I need more tally in my life for sure. And like people like Delilah Dawson's written some, Kevin mm-hmm. Scott's written some, and like yeah. they all just seem to kind of blip in and out. So Yeah, means... no, I'm gonna have to pick that up. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Between that and the um you mentioned the the Dooku Jedi Lost hardcover, um is is actually super interesting for me because did, did you guys listen to the audio drama? Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I did not. Oh, okay. It's it's awesome and it's uh 
really, really impressively written and acted. And Kevin said this was like less of a novel and more just like the script in like a book, but it's like going to be like really well designed. And I'm like, that's going to be fascinating. Like reading a play essentially. Of yeah. Star Wars. And I'm, I'm, I'm unbelievably excited for that as a theater person myself, it's going to be combining my worlds and it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I'm, I'm so excited for all the publishing and there's, there's still three years of publishing where we're not going to have any movies, which I'm like, they're going to get really creative and they're going to show us some really cool stuff. Cause you're going to have to keep us uh, invested in star Wars for, for three full years with just TV and books. So we're going to, we're going to be getting a lot, I think. And I think that's what, that what this challenge. is. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> challenge my wallet, please. Like, let's see if I can keep up with it. <laughs> um, it. Yeah. What do you, What are uh, you two most uh, excited for on the on the slate for books this year? Oh, and oh, one other thing to note: the Jedi Collector book is falling under the Galaxy's Edge uh, label, I guess. Right, so right. I, I guess that character in that book has some force. Uh, power where he can touch objects and look at their history similar to Quenlin Voss how he used to do in, in Dark Disciple and the Clone Wars so that was a pretty cool reveal as well I'm really excited I saw somebody on Twitter I don't remember the exact person so I apologize but they said they hope maybe he goes to Luke's old Jedi Temple or something in the book and touches some objects there and sees like what happened with Kylo maybe I don't know that'd be really cool but awesome. um, yeah no, something worth noting but what are you guys most excited for amongst all these books Personally, uh, uh, Resistance Reborn by Rebecca, is it Roanhorse, I believe? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm most excited for right now. I just picked up her novel, Trail of Lightning, um, which I haven't read yet, but it's won like a squillion sci-fi awards for being amazing. Um, so I'm really excited for this new author that's so renowned to come into Star Wars. But I'm also excited because it's, it's going to be like the latest canon material we get before Nine, right? Like, mm -hmm. so... I love the idea we're getting post Last Jedi stuff. I I want more time with the mains. I mean, I want Poe and Rey yeah. and Leia. Like it's, I love the books. I love going to char new characters inside the books. Like I love the Aftermath trilogy. I love Alphabet Squadron as we'll get into because it's all these new characters and new things. But I'm kind of really tingly about getting a little more Poe and everybody before we get the actual movie. So I think that's going to be written really well. I mean, I think it's going to be a really cool, fresh voice in the canon. Mm -hmm. um, which is exciting reading so many new authors that are, are so many different descents and different genders and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm really excited to see what she brings to the table with that. Yeah, I'd say that's my number one too. And I'm also really excited for Crash of Fate. And uh, I know Black Spire is already out, I think, um, maybe. And But just learning more about the Galaxy's Edge but two section, I, have, I know nothing really. I haven't gotten to the Galaxy's Edge comics, which is actually Ethan Sachs, the same author that's doing the Allegiance comics that are coming oh, up. Oh, so. awesome. Awesome. Uh, and I've heard I've heard really good things about the Galaxy's Edge comics. But anyway, I'm really excited to kind of explore Batu and also, but yeah, I, I'm really excited to get into before Episode Nine, find out a little bit more about what the Resistance's been up to between the Last Jedi and Nine. Yeah, I yeah. I agree. Batu is going to be a really cool place. It's going to kind of be our new, uh, grounded like home almost in Star Wars Episode Nine, where I think the Resistance are maybe building up their forces and. It's it that that idea of that being home is set into motion through the comics potentially with Han's involvement, whatever that may have been. Yeah. Um, what about you, Brad? What what book what book do you want this year? I I was most excited for Resistance Reborn, which I still am. I'm also very excited for Black Spire because Delilah Dawson is awesome. 
I cannot stop thinking about the rise of Kylo Ren at this point. I'm like, oh god, it just <laughs> took over the attention span this weekend. I, awesome. I cannot stop. Uh, yeah. And that cover is just so good. Yeah. Somebody somebody pointed out too. They're like, why is he always stabbing his sword into the ground? <laughs> Which <laughs> I'm like, that ground. is. I know. It's like. <laughs> It's like that Lonely Island song where they're like, happy birthday to the ground, but it's just Kylo Ren who's just like, like the, the same attitude. <laughs> That's his whole life is angry, throwing things on the ground, being like, mom, you don't get it. <laughs> Dad, I don't want to fly the ship. I want to read my poetry. Like, I don't want to be a Jedi. I just want to do calligraphy. <laughs> <laughs> That's all in this book is him working on his penmanship. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there is so much. I actually put out a, a Twitter post, which I want to share a few comments from, uh, in regards to the publishing panel. And I asked some of you what your favorite Star Wars book is, books you're most excited for, and also a book or story that you haven't uh, seen revealed yet. So uh, Alex Leonis, who I'll, I'll mention again here because she had a really good, uh, really good one. She liked the solo novelization a lot. Uh, is most excited for Force Collector. Yeah. And she said Lost Star sequel or a Ben Solo novel. So Alex, you're getting your you're, you're getting your Ben Solo quote unquote novel, uh, which is awesome. Lost Star sequel would be really cool. I think there's a lot a lot more story to tell, and I think that will be Claudia Gray's next project. To be honest with you, ooh, I like uh, that. Yeah, I, I think that I think she's on to something there. Um, let's see who else listed some stuff. Uh, Michael Condon, who is at uh, Tombed Two. He started reading the canon books last year, and he's going to be moving on to the young readers, but obviously prefers some over the others, but he always just loves the the story of Star Wars in general. Um, and he says Thrawn Treason is what he's most excited for, which does come out tomorrow, and he would like to see more... <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So excited. Uh, he would like to see more movies done as books in the manner of From a Certain Point of View, which I think Ooh, okay. uh, is also going to be a, a very real possibility with the, the 40th coming out for Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I'd also love to see Will Hood get his own chapter, finally. It's just the, the one yes. we need. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be so good. More Will Hood all the time. I want the Ugnaughts that are working inside. Yeah. On the oh, yeah. So, many, so many characters in the Empire Strikes Back. That'd be amazing. The Lobot yeah. chapter? Come on! Aww, right? Come on, or the Dak chapter? That's gonna be the heart-wrenching one. Oh! Yeah. that's gonna be a heart wrencher because like he's gonna he's gonna be like i can take on the whole empire myself and then the chapter's gonna end with him like dying and i'm gonna be like oh my god <laughs> i know but it's like what they did with bail organa and i'm just like oh, oh don't even remind me to do that bail organa our lord and savior <laughs> oh, we stand rip we rest stand, in peace we stand bail <laughs> uh Sol uh Solnova Aliz uh Alizrak at Yoski Solnova. She said that she loves Thrawn, is most excited for Thrawn Treason, and she also wants a Timothy Zahn book writing about Ezra and Thrawn's survival adventures. So she clearly loves Timothy Zahn and the character of Thrawn, and I agree with you, Ezra and Thrawn is still a story that needs to be told. That is a is a huge area of opportunity. So I would not be surprised if we if we get more of that. I, I hope we do. Would you, do you guys want to see more of that? Because I I can't. I think about it every now and then, and it makes me sad that we haven't gotten it yet. I do. So I love Rebels, right? I absolutely yeah. love it. I'm, I'm about to. Me and my girlfriend are about to start it. She's never seen it before. Um, and if she and if she listens to this podcast, I'm going to be a, a little less spoilery than I would be. Um, but I'm not the biggest Thrawn novel fan. I know it's heresy, um, but I, I I loved the first Thrawn canon novel I liked, but I find him a little 
Sherlock Holmes all-powerful sometimes, and I find that to be a little repetitive. Mm-hmm. But I like Rebelstron more because I thought, I thought he had a little more weakness. So I think him and Ezra um, having that story would be more interesting because he's he's off his game. He's not as, like, calm and collected. And I would I would actually love that. But maybe not by Zahn? Because mm-hmm. I... Has any, I don't think anyone else has ever like written Thrawn in like so. a novel, Mm-mm. to my knowledge. So I, I, that'd be kind of interesting to see someone else get a crack at it. Yeah, Rose, you just promise, you just started rewatching Rebels. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. Well, I was watching it in Ukrainian for the first time, but I've definitely watched right. it in English and many times. But yes, I, yeah, I'll fall on a sword with Eric there that I would prefer someone else um, if they're going to write that would be just because of the second book of Thrawn alliances. I was not uh, so much a fan of his writing of Padme mm-hmm. and Anakin and like I like when he writes like Thrawn through Eli's eyes or somebody, but taking on four other big characters was kind of not maybe the my cup of tea with his writing yeah. so i and I, ezra is so precious to me that like freaks me out a little bit so i'd prefer either a show that maybe felonia will give us or something um or yeah or maybe just somebody else going through sabine's eyes or somebody oh like, uh, yeah oh yeah sabine maybe book. like uh mm-hmm. maybe like christy golden or ray carson yeah. or something yeah yeah like i it's tough for me not to make it as simple as this, but I'm like, maybe like a woman writing it? Because like, they just seem to, some of the people like Zahn and some of the more old school guys are good, but sometimes when it comes to writing like like the Padmes and like the Sabines, it, it's not quite as Absolutely. fully fleshed yeah. out as it could be. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I Alliances is definitely not the 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 best book of the, of the trilogy so far. Um, I mean, I haven't read Treason yet, so I don't know, but... Um, yeah, I would like to see maybe somebody else's take on Thrawn, just to just to get some new perspectives. And also, if you're yeah. going to be writing Ezra, especially, that might be a good, um, good idea to maybe even have Dave Filoni involved somehow with yeah. just the creation of the story. And if you're going to have Ahsoka, Ahsoka involved, I don't know. There's just so much you could do with it. Um, I almost of people that we stand. Oh my god. Ahsoka. Yeah, I would actually love to see. Uh, you know, Project Luminous is this giant collaborative effort. I would love to see more books that are just like a giant collaborative effort between multiple writers that aren't just like this whole giant like buzz buzz of like Project Luminous, but just something a little more uh, uh, like smaller. Like imagine a, a Thrawn, Ezra, and Sabine and Ahsoka book where like you've got E.K. Johnston and Timothy Zahn and uh, I'm trying to think. I'm drawn on other blanks, but you know, you know what I mean. So you have all yeah. those people, and they're writing different chapters, maybe, and then they somehow come together, Ooh. copy editing like to it's a Game like of Thrones thing. So like yeah, exactly. Chapter, then it goes to an Ezra chapter. And yeah, and then somehow like have copy editing fix it up so that it has the same tone throughout the entire book, but it's like also like each of the authors are getting the true perspective of the characters that they came up with. So I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. I don't know. That'd be that'd be kind of yeah. cool. Well, I want that now, so yeah. Yeah, Um, definitely. Yeah, a few other quick ones to go over because I I, I like some of these other comments on here. Uh, Laura from Forced Toast Pod. Hey, Laura. She said that she loves A New Dawn and Lost Stars. Most excited for Resistance Reborn. And she wants a Harrison Dula book or she will ride in the street. I agree with that. Give me more Harrison Dula, which we were going to talk about in Alphabet Squadron uh, today. But uh, we got a lot of her in, in that book. It would be pretty cool to see more of her story uh fleshed out from the like just solely her perspective to see like kind of what she's dealing with as a as a general and and also missing some of her her uh, ghost crew which that that's touched on a little bit and so i'm jason. gonna save that what about jason? yeah yeah where, where did he go yeah 
Yeah, Did I want to see Hera as a as a single mom and hero of the rebellion, fighting the good fight uh, as as that in that position. So, uh, Hannah Ashton wrote Bloodliner Lost Stars, most excited for Thrawn Treason, and she wants to know what happened to the survivors of Solo. Uh, that would also, again, the Make Solo Two Happen movement is very strong right now. Uh, mm-hmm. But I would love to see some of those characters fleshed out. Infus Nest has a lot more story to yes. tell. Yeah. You know? Erin yeah. Kellyman, get her in somewhere. She's awesome. Seriously. And after reading Queen Shadow, I'm like, give me Bail Organa and Sabe and Enfys Nest in a room together. Just like oh. hatching the rebellion. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. Did you are do you like the character of Enfys Nest, uh, uh, Rose? Yes, definitely. That was one of my favorite things about Solo. Uh, I'd <laughs> say her and Kira are my two favorite characters from that movie. So I definitely would like to see their journeys somehow anyway possible continue i hope it's in a maybe a disney plus series yeah. to be honest i think that'd really be able to flesh out the characters but i'll take anything they did such a good job with the marketing of that movie because i for the longest time was just preconditioned to think envis ness was a, as a male character and i was like when she took off the helmet in the movie i was like whoa i was like that is unexpected because i don't i didn't think like they'd pull that i was kind of worried they were just why well, I, I expected them to just go like the same route of like the kind of like alpha male character who's the villain and that was just so cool. I was like, okay, she's not male, and she's also not a villain. She's just fighting yeah. as a part of the rebellion. I was like, holy crap, that's a good twist. Like, he was awesome. got me. Love uh, and the real villain behind the whole movie just turned out to be Maul, which I was like, <laughs> what the hell <laughs> is <laughs> happening right now? I'm back. <laughs> I was like, I did not think I'd be coming out of that movie saying Maul orchestrated this whole thing, uh, <laughs> which is just insane. Uh, and our last comment here is, oh, actually two more. Uh, Lauren Romo says she loves Dark Disciple. Most excited for the Art of the Scott Rides of Skywalker book. Ooh. Can't wait for that as well. Th- those books, for any of you who don't read them, are incredible. Go read those. They have just mind-blowing artwork in them. Uh, and she wants just some new characters, new adventures, nothing we know about, which I, I completely agree. Lauren, I think we'll be getting that uh, the next few years. And, and lastly, Real Farm Boy, who, if you don't know Real Farm Boy, you gotta go meet him on Twitter. You, He's a great guy. Uh, we thank, I thank you personally for all your promotion of the show. It's really been helping out uh, for a, a little podcast like me. Uh, definitely appreciate it. He says he loves Alphabet Squadron, or at least that's the last one he read, but he just can't pick a favorite. He's most looking forward to Black Spire, and he says, I've never been able to say I want a Star Wars that story i just want to be told a story which i want to end on that one because i think that's a good one because it's just like you know what tell me a good story doesn't matter where it is or who's in it or what's involved as long as it's a compelling star wars story that hits me in the feels and makes me not be able to put down a book for a few hours i'm i'm bought in that's a great point and i've been finding that with me as far as like speculation on new stories like what are we going to get or what's going to happen in the movie or whatever the mm-hmm. less that I speculate, the more I enjoy because I'm not I'm not like building up this narrative in my head yeah. that will that I'm gonna be disappointed if it doesn't happen, you know? So if if God, if we're all a little more like Royal Farm Boy and just take a second to be like, I trust these storytellers, I trust the universe, and just mm-hmm. put it in my face. Just trust throw in the it force. in my face and give it to you. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Anthony, you're awesome. <laughs> the the best of us. Anthony is uh, one of those people that just make the online Star Wars community work. So uh, it's 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 been great. Thank you, Anthony. Well, on that note, we are going to turn it to the Alphabet Squadron review. So this is going to be a full spoiler review. So if you haven't read the book, I highly advise you to not stop listening to this podcast. And I, I do apologize. You only got 30 minutes of like non-spoiler talk that you could listen to on this Monday. But trust me, there's going to be a lot more to come um, and I'll make up for it. So... 
Um, again, spoiler review for Alphabet Squadron. <laughs> Please turn it off if you haven't read it. I don't want to spoil this book for you. It's so good. It's so um, good. That's a spoiler. Read it. Yeah, all that. I recommend it. <laughs> so, yeah. come back. Yeah. Captain Sindula, this is a closed-door council. Senator, if I may, I know the odds are against this attack success. But if that fighter goes into production, our squadrons will not stand a chance. I believe it's a risk worth taking, and whether we fail or succeed, at least our actions will show the Empire and the galaxy that we will not stand down, that we will not be broken by fear, that we are strong, united by our courage. Now is our time to strike. Let's get right into it then with Alphabet Squadron, written by Alexander Freed. This was released last month. Uh, so I, you know, I've never really done a book review. I know, uh, Eric, you just recently did one for, for living force pod. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of want to start with you. What were your, what were your overall thoughts coming out of this book? Like, how did you, how did you like it? Uh, overall, this is one of my surprisingly favorite canon novels. I, I, I went in a little apprehensive. I didn't love uh, twilight company that freed wrote a couple years back. Mm. It was a little too, um, kind of cold for me. I didn't find the characters as relatable as I wanted to. Yeah. But I went in with very optimistic. I love Starship Fighters. I love my, you know, my X Wings and all that and all that stuff. But I found that this book actually brought me into the minds of characters, like as well as a Claudia Gray novel would. I really felt emotionally connected to them, and yet I also felt the world was vast enough, kind of like Aftermath. It was so it was the marriage of those kind of vibes. And I felt that by the end of mm -hmm. it, I got a full story. I got a full character arc for each one of the pilots. I fell in love with every single one of them individually, but I also immediately wanted the second book in the trilogy. And I think that's <laughs> yeah. the of a, great, of a great first book is that I didn't feel cheated. I didn't feel like it was just exposition, but I felt that you turn that last page, you get that reveal we're gonna talk about, and you're like, oh my God, when is the release date of the second one? Right? So, <laughs> Huge, huge thumbs up so for me good. as far as all that goes. Yeah. Technically, emotionally, all of it was great. Yeah, how about you, Rose? What do you think? Yeah, and I went into this also never having read Alexander Freed's work before and uh, kind of worried, honestly, knowing that he wrote... Um, no, I didn't know if it would be maybe too much military terms or something that I wouldn't be familiar with, but... and. Really, the hook for me was knowing that Harrison Dula was in this. That was honestly the yeah. thing I saw, and I'm like, okay, I have to. I don't care about the other stuff. I'm just gonna have to read it. <laughs> so I tried to, you know, just uh, go into it and be like, okay, but try to take in the rest of the story until you get to her name, because uh, I really didn't think she would be in it much. But I was just so impressed that I was totally taken by the characters, and I fell in love with the story, and especially them as characters. He wrote them so well, and yeah. gave them, yeah, like Eric was saying, each had an individual arc, and I could feel their their motivations and what was driving them or what uh the pains they were going through from their past it was just they're rich characters with um full stories not one note characters and i just i i fell in love with them um and then i i still got my hair fix as well but it was awesome <laughs> i i just turned out to love it yeah I, I couldn't have said it better than than you two I, and speaking on Hera, i think rose you bring up a great point is because until rebels ended we didn't really know the fate of her and now that it's over we know full well that she's been a huge part of the rebellion even behind the scenes although we didn't see her in in the original trilogy and we've seen her in some of those uh, uh forces of destiny cartoons as well getting involved with like han solo and leia so i like how they're bringing her back into 
the limelight as like a, a huge part of the rebuilding of the new Republic. And I think that we're going to continue to see that with her. I think she'll get involved not just in this trilogy, but in the star Wars canon in general, possibly in a TV show of some sort. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I hope too. I, somebody brought up, uh, as actually star Wars explained, they said they hope or Alex Damon hopes that at the end of the rise of Skywalker, they it's maybe all their forces going at it, uh, against the first order. So I'm like, what if you see like, and he was saying like, what if they drop in some Easter eggs where you see like the fireball crew and everything? I'm like, what if you see the ghosts? Like what if Hera's still alive out there? Cause we don't know necessarily like where she is right now in the timeline of the, of the current trilogy. I'd love to see her maybe just the ghost again, somehow involved and show yeah. that she's still so relevant. Yeah. I love that when they did that in rogue one, when they put the ghost in at the battle of Scarif and like, yeah. um, there's that, uh, the loudspeaker said paging general Syndulla or something in the mm -hmm. background. And I think that's the perfect way to put these like animation and book characters in. Um, yeah. Because you don't want to have Harrison Dula show up live action and be a big part of this movie after eight movies of most of the populace having no idea who she is. Yeah. And I yeah. think the movie itself doesn't stand up, but I completely agree with you and with Alex being like just over the comms, like fireball squadron, check it in. Um, Spectre one flying like, stuff that people can, that haven't seen them can be like, yeah. Oh, it's just star Wars talk. Like whatever. I, that's, great but we will lose our goddamn minds <laughs> yeah i would have taken it maybe one step further in rogue one during the battle of scarif when they showed all the different uh older pilots the, the footage that they reused from a new hope i would have taken oh. it one step further and had a live action hero go like ghost crew calling in and like maybe with like chopper in the background like going like rup, rup, or something yeah. like that i would have maybe gone like a little further um that's like my kind of own own uh, headcanon <laughs> that i yeah, i, I, I mean, continue we'll, we'll to have Man, I'm. It, it could be possible Easter eggs galore. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, for me personally, with this book, when I first heard Alphabet Squadron was coming out, I was like, "Ugh, I don't like the name at all. I, I really don't." Uh, and then when I got to the book, I saw the cover, and I was like, "Okay, I'm bought in a little more now." I read the book, and you find out that the reason for the Alphabet Squadron name is because it's just such a ragtag group of people who all have different fighters. It's like the A wing, the X wing, the Y wing, the B wing, and the <laughs> the u-wing and it's like it's just an alphabet of of ships and that's the reason and that's like kind of a joking name that people call them behind the scenes to almost make fun of them but then they start to fully embrace it as they as they come together become more cohesive as a unit start to lean on each other and then they like just fully take on the mantle of alphabet squadron and it's something that they're proud of by the end of the novel and, and joking about like in a, in a good way so that's why i loved this book because you take some a group of people that you won't think will get along at all because they all have different motivations and then they somehow end up coming together even though uh erica is dealing with the struggles of leadership and the struggles of like inspiring and motivating her crew she somehow does it mm -hmm. which i think is a great lesson in leadership uh, uh, towards the end of the book yeah i mean it's like firefly it, it, it's it's my favorite sci-fi trope it's like a ragtag bunch of misfits from all different places and all different goals and they become a family like it's great mm -hmm. you know it's, it's it's what star wars is kind of built on to an extent yeah yeah i one one uh interview that they did with uh, san francisco chronicle did with uh, alexander freed i thought was really interesting just speaking on how he actually writes uh, and you, you both mentioned uh, or eric you said you had read twilight company I, rose i fall into the same camp as you i did not read any of his books before this but he said this in an interview 
I figure if you're a Star Wars fan and you're coming to this material, let's give you something you can't get from the movies or the comics or anything else. And that is exactly what it feels like to be in this place. I know what excited me as a fan, but I need to look at it from a more editorial perspective. What works in this franchise, what doesn't? What's exciting, what's underexplored, what's overexplored, and find a way into it as a writer. So I find this quote very interesting because I feel like he's saying he's not trying to approach it as a Star Wars fan. He's just trying to approach it as a writer writing a good story and something that is a little more unique and realistic and and lived in. And I do get that sense from the story of and the way he writes. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of things in this book that like you don't get in a lot of Star Wars because a lot of Star Wars just focused on the plot and the action and everything. But he takes everything to like the the like nth degree where he he talks about like hyperspace and and just like such like small details but extrapolates them on such a larger scale to like really like build this world and detail everything that's happening so what did you guys think of his his writing style in general in this book i i really enjoyed it i um it's funny you mentioned that he got away from the more like huge plot driven star wars books right especially in like legends books there there's so much plot going on it's so galactically huge um in the uh review i wrote on utini.com i I wrote a bunch of our team members actually had that same complaint but for me and a bunch of other team members i actually preferred freed's writing style of character first which i think was really evident in this book that there's definitely a trap of being too technical like rose you were saying the worry of being too military being too term heavy about everything and freed definitely has detail in there i mean you know he did his research and it's definitely still a good plot but it's always about the character's emotions first and foremost. I, I know what's happening because I know what Erica's thinking about what's happening. I know exactly how Chas is feeling when she's in a cockpit. I know why Will is feeling such emotion for his squad. Like, I'm following the eyes of the protagonists, and I think that is what, at the end of the day, makes a story worth reading because a good plot is fine, but if I don't care about the people that it's happening to, I'm not going to keep reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Yeah, and looking at this book, it, it it felt like a slow burn, but a good slow burn because a lot of Star Wars books, like we're saying, get through the plot so quickly and they're like, okay, we got to hit like this, hit this, hit this, hit this moment. Like, let's just get through the story. This felt like knowing that Alexander Freed has another two books to go, he does focus on the characters. And it's like, mm-hmm. let's treat it more like uh, the first few seasons of Game of Thrones where it's like, yeah, it takes us 10 episodes to get to where we want to be in the story, but when we get there, it's worth it because then we feel for the characters and then we understand like where they're coming from. And that's the kind of writing that I think is good. And he doesn't do it in a boring way. It's like very exciting and you're learning a lot. And I love the way that he writes where it's always like, this is the story they told. And then it goes into like this exposition. Yeah. It goes into this exposition of the characters and like where they came from. And even somebody, um, Oh God, I'm blanking on the name. Cairo. Sorry. Uh, even somebody like Kairos who, we get their story at some point, which I did not expect, but it was like moving. And it was because we hadn't heard from her at all throughout the book. And all of a sudden it's like, here's her story. And this is like what she's been through. And I was like, so moved, but I might not have gotten that if we just rushed through the plot and hit all the story beats. Yeah. Cause it takes a while before the squadron even gets all together. Like it's over, I think it's almost 200 pages or so before all the characters yeah. meet each other. And I think that's a risk to take for sure. Um, like, I, I read the first uh, X-Wing Rogue Squadron book right after finishing this, and it was mm-hmm. so different because you start out with 13 people in a squadron, 
And it, it took me a long time to figure out who they all were. Whereas this book, once the squadron got together, I already knew how Will was going to interact with Nath. And I already knew how Erica would feel about Chas because I'd spent so much time with them individually. And I think that's a testament to Freed's writing is that he forged those character relationships so like intensely, you know, that by right. the end of it, they all sounded like themselves. They all treated each other like they realistically would. And that, but that can't be done, as you were saying, Brad, unless you take the time to really set up who they are. And I thought that was really well done. Yeah, Rose, I want to get your opinion, like with the with these characters and having such a folk. I know you're a, a huge Hera fan. That was what you were most excited about, um, which I think a lot of us are definitely. And um, we'll get more into her her later. Uh, what was one of the characters that you felt like you you got the most out of, or that you were most excited to read every time you had their perspective? Because this definitely jumps around from the points of views of different characters, which I do like. It's not just told from a third person perspective. Yeah, I think I was wondering about this myself. I think Yerika, her, um, just because we get her first and I, I kind of start with through her eyes and her point of view carries on a lot through the story as kind of being the leader who has to join to bond these people that she doesn't quite know how. And you, you see her help her out a little with that later too. But um, so I, I started to really... Mm, I don't know if I'd connect. I, I'm very interested because I, I have trouble with Imperials in general. Like anybody, mm -hmm. I just have a hard time <laughs> connecting with anybody uh, who serves that side. I'm not, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I am, but it's, she's interesting. And so it, this book is challenging because it is, it makes you question war. It is very, it makes yeah. you have a lot of questions about moral um, ethics and just wartime and what is um how do you redeem yourself from the, the things you've done in your past but i also really love um will and chas their whole story about just how much she hates him <laughs> for what he does um in taking away her choice to kind of go out in a blaze of glory and i just thought that was just it's just that was just a great story and him talking to the ship and her listening to music i don't know i just think it's amazing how each of these characters has such a unique personality so i really did like that dynamic between them and and just watching this team go through all their differences and come together and form uh basically a band of brothers or and sisters who will fight to each other for the until the end and kind of changing their viewpoints it's just amazing you bring up such a good point and i'm so glad you brought it up the idea that like war isn't isn't just black and white there's a lot of gray area and i think that's something that the new star wars canon has done really well of introducing because we were so conditioned to be like the empire is bad and the rebels are good and that was it for so long and now we're getting like characters like erica and also Iden versio and like even nath tencent who was a defector from the empire and turned into the rebellion kind of not by choice almost but he eventually is by choice um and and we start to get the the sense that like from a certain point of view like the sides are either good or bad and it's really a matter of like what your situation is and who you're fighting with. And I think that's why Erica's story is so interesting because she joined the empire with the full intention of eventually joining the rebellion as a pilot, but she got so invested in it that it was like, okay, I can't leave my squadron anymore. I feel so attached to them, but I also don't necessarily believe in like what the empire is doing to an extent. But then you see her struggle throughout the book with, you know, seeing the uh, the stormtroopers all uh, uh, hostage or taken as hostages on that one planet that they go to, and she has to take them back, and the ship ends up being destroyed, and you see the pain that she feels from those 
um, from those those stormtroopers dying because I was like those are her comrades previously. But then you also see how like she's trying to prove uh, is it Karen or Sayer? Karen? Karen. Karen. Um, She's constantly trying to prove Karen Aiden wrong and saying like, no, I'm ready to be a rebel and a pilot. I like want a ship and I want to fly. And that's like her whole directive, the whole, the whole novel. And once one quote that I thought was really interesting from Soren Keys, who we'll get to a little later, but he says at, at one point, war is always monstrous, but that doesn't make us monsters. And I was like, damn, that is some good writing. Like, that is a good, good that is a good yeah. quote. And uh, it, it even makes me think of Kylo Ren, where we like Ray says you're a monster, and he's like, I know, like, doesn't you know, just because I've done monstrous thing doesn't mean I'm a mo- like, totally a monster potentially. But um, what do, what do you guys make of, of that quote and just the idea that uh, Disney canon is really graying the area and making this more of a, a judgment call from fans on like what's what's right and what's wrong? Man, it's interesting. I think on one hand. Star Wars is is at its core, I think, about redemption, right? To it, like no one is no one's ever really gone, right? Luke says, and I think that can be attributed in a couple of different ways. Like those that die are still with us in our hearts, but also if you're like Vader and you fall to the dark, you can always be redeemed back to the light at a certain point. And we'll see what happens with Kylo. Um, so I think there's a good part of that that the, that our world nowadays kind of needs to know too. That you know. We can keep talking, we can keep reaching out all the branches, and we can all come together as humans. And yet there's also a part of this book that I think does highlight that sometimes bad people are also just evil. Like the guys that um, that Will tries to reach out to in the Ordal Cluster saying, hey, what's your name? Like, I know we're fighting, but shouldn't we be humans? And they say, yeah, kid, we're going to kill you, and you're going <laughs> to die. And so it's like, all right, sometimes a Nazi's a Nazi, you know? So it's like to the point yeah. of that we don't acknowledge that evil doesn't exist, but there is a, this new emergence, like with the, with the Inferno squad stuff with battlefront two and stuff of Imperial defectors becoming more and more of a thing. I think it, it's overall good that we're seeing people that are bad can come back to the light while still acknowledging that we get to call out evil when we see it. Yeah, and his quote actually made me think of Cassian from Rogue One and just that scene where you see Cassian yeah. uh, put a bullet in someone and you just, you realize that there are no angels in war on either side. It's just a fact and it's a sad fact of what happens and um, everybody just can't, unfortunately, you can't be who you would normally be in war um, to, if you want to win, if you're going to sacrifice for the whatever. So lay it all out there, I guess. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it definitely um, makes you examine and i guess uh, yeah getting down to that human level of in the end though is that something yeah that you want to continue like to have that hate or that fight in you forever or are you fighting for some a cause or like to get to a certain place and then you can let go of that and and live in peace which um i feel like that's the rebel side of wanting um freedom and um to liberate people from the empire and yeah and i think that comes up in a conversation even that hera has with Erica later when Erica says that we have a large dossier on you for all these years. And, um, Mm -hmm. is it worth, has it been worth it to not fight the empire just to be a soldier and all the loss you've gone through. And I just, I cried at that. Such a good quote. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, And she just says, look around you. The answer is all around you. Um, and uh, it says Erica didn't understand what she said and Hera walked off. But to me, that was, uh, Hera looking at everything around her and saying, we're still here. So yes, it's worth it. Kanan's death, everybody, Ezra's sacrifice, everything I've gone through, Endor, uh-huh. 
and Scarif and Jin Erso and everyone who gave everything, it, it was worth it because we're still here. We're still fighting and I'm going to keep fighting until we don't have a breath in us anymore. So to me, yeah, that's just, it like makes me think so deeply in this um, about, yeah, all these things. Yeah. yeah. Cassian's a great one to bring up. And I even, now I'm thinking of Lost Stars too, because from the Empire perspectives and Sienna, uh, Sienna Ray's perspective, uh, she, she looks at the destruction of the Death Star as like the killing, like terrorists destroying millions yeah. and millions of lives. So from that point of view, the rebels are super evil. And when you think about it, like when you look at what they did, like, yeah, they did what they had to do and the empire is a terrible force, but like also like think about how many people on that death star maybe were in the position of a Erica where they didn't necessarily want to join the empire, but they had to join out of like fear for their own lives yeah. or their safety or their family. And it's like so mind boggling. Like, Oh my God. Like, I mean, and that's, it makes the spin of that so easy. Cause if you're in the empire, you say, all right, there was a boy from a backwoods planet that got radicalized by this ancient religion and then came and was a terrorist. Like it's so yeah. like, it's literally how you spin that, you know, the, the, the Jedi was an ancient religion. And, and it's like, the Emperor was like, wow, what a gift I've been given because now I can double up my recruitment. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, it's horrifying. And then you get someone, Rose, to go on your point about, um, you brought up, like, like Brad was saying, Cassie, and especially, it makes me think of uh, Saw Gerrera because mm -hmm. that that's someone that, I mean, is showing up literally everywhere nowadays. I mean, he's going to be in Fallen Order coming up. Yeah. Um, and is the prime example of, yes, it's the right side but he's never done fighting and he's willing to, I mean, go to really disgusting lengths with the yeah. partisans to get what we think might be information. But at the end of the day, does he just want vengeance for Stila? Does he just want to cause them pain until he dies? Which I think is his final act of letting Jin go free and like escape is maybe his redemption moment, but does it come too late? You know, does he die with hate in his heart? And is that a warning to the rest of the rebellion? Like don't become yeah. a saw. Yeah, and full circle to that, just like you said, Saw Greer, the Parsons, even Iden Versio's involvement in uh, Battlefront 2, Inferno Squad, that book. Mm -hmm. Another example of of war is monstrous. It's always monstrous, but it doesn't make us monsters. And like Saw, yeah, he's doing some monstrous things, but he's doing it for a grander purpose to try to restore freedom and justice to the, the galaxy because, I mean, the Empire is truly the, the nazis of, of a galaxy far far away they are are completely destroying planets they're excavating resources they're enslaving people and creatures and aliens and, and all sorts of life and it's like sometimes you just gotta go to the extreme and it's even like a show like the walking dead which is like totally not star wars at all <laughs> but like think about the things that rick grimes has done yep. just to ensure their survival of of people and it's i was actually thinking of uh are you guys familiar with the milgram experiment Remind me. So it's like a, it, it was a psychology experiment where basically uh, they, they took patients uh, or uh, test subjects and they had them uh, sit in a room where they couldn't, they could only hear audio and they would flip switches to increase the voltage of what was supposedly them electrocuting somebody to, um, to see like what levels they could tolerate. And so they had like an authority figure in the room telling them to like increase the voltage and they would see like, you know, they would test different ways of saying it and basically see like what to what lengths people would go when up against an authority figure, like what they would do and like when they would stop or like, you know, hearing the screams of the person, even though they, there wasn't actually a person they were electrocuting, 
it was just like pretend audio. They just wanted to see like when the person would stop. Yeah, like the Nuremberg um, trials essentially. Yeah, so like yeah. basically, I think of that almost as like the Empire, and just going back to like Operation Cinder and your Erica and Iden Versio is like that was the uh, Operation Cinder for a lot of people was the breaking point, and Erica brings this up in the book as well, like. That was the point where if you stuck around after that, you are truly like kind of too far gone, potentially not redeemable. Like that was when you had the choice to leave. And if you didn't leave, you're actively supporting this like just completely cruel way of, of, of destruction and like hmm. destruction with no reasoning behind it, just destruction for the sake of it. Yeah. Um, and that, and that just I brings me to my next point. Of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, about Operation Cinder because when I got to this part, I um they kind of explained it and I and suddenly I had like a flashback of maybe a Star Wars explained Alex Damon video maybe where this got explained. So I don't know is this from the video game? Is this from an, another novel? Where do we originally see this come up? And then also later Palpatine has like a, a robot thing that has like a face mm -hmm. of him or something. Mm -hmm. You guys you know, you know any background on that stuff? I had to Wikipedia it. It was fine in the book, but I did have to look yeah. it up. Yeah, Operation Cinder first appeared technically in Aftermath um, the first time, and then the Battlefront oh, 2 single-player campaign came out later that year, and that's where we saw it. Um, so that was – the first canonical part was that Battlefront 2, I think, is, is the main one because it's more visual and people got to actually see mm -hmm. how they ravaged planets. And then um, the Emperor's Messenger, same thing. Um, those guys showed up in Aftermath um, and then showed up in person in the Battlefront 2 campaign. Yeah, it's basically like a red-robed uh, creature that kind of floats around and has the Emperor's face on it, which I'm sure if you wikipedia it, you saw the picture, um, and, and, and spreading the message of like whatever Palpatine left behind. Because clearly he had this whole contingency plan, which I think is going to fit into Episode Nine potentially with him coming back, but it was just a contingency plan of like, if the Empire falls, here's what we're going to do you're going to follow my directives and you're going to go around, destroy these planets. And it's spoilers for Battlefront two. It's what leads Iden Versio to change sides because her homeworld is, is one of the victims of operation Cinder, And that's when she realizes like, this is not what I signed up for with the empire. I signed up for justice and quote unquote equality. From my point of view, I did not sign up to just kill innocent lives and, and be completely reckless. And that's the same thing that Erica sees in, in alphabet squadron. And we've talked a lot about that over on the Living Force the last couple of weeks about why why did that Operation Cinder happen? And we've disagreed as, as it's gone on. I think that's a big talk in the fandom right now is what was the actual purpose of Cinder? Is it to you know, punish the weak people because they didn't protect Palpatine? So it's like the Sith rule of, well, if you're weak, you should be destroyed. Is it to figure out, like you were saying, Brad, who has the fortitude to actually commit these atrocities? And then, cool, now when Palpatine returns, these are my people because they've already proven yeah. themselves to be ruthless. That's an interesting take. Like, so I think there's a, I think Cinder, I will see a lot of it in nine, but I think that's going to be coming up in books as the years go on because I think the idea of it is so vast. And I think everyone can kind of react to it in a different way. That's going to have content for, for years to come. Oh yeah, thank you guys for that. That's really interesting. I gotta check that out now. Yeah, you can. You could probably too. I don't know if uh, have you played Battlefront two or no, never. Or do you have access to it? Yeah, I would recommend going even on YouTube. You could probably find all the cutscenes because they're pretty mm -hmm. great. Like, so if you never, if you think you'll never play it and and it won't be like necessarily like playing uh, the story through, just go online and watch the the cutscenes um, because it still flows together just like a almost like a short movie. 
uh, and that'll, that'll fill in a lot. I think it's definitely going to be important too for, for episode nine, just with, with old Sheevy babes coming back. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Rose, I want to talk a little about Hera cause that was a huge sticking point for you with somebody who hadn't read Alexander Freed and was like, Oh crap, Hera's coming back. Let's, let's do this. Um, I want to hear your take on, on just kind of, kind of where she is in her life and, and, and something I want to, a quote I want to bring up from, from page 170, um, before you start is, is when somebody first calls or when somebody calls her general, and that's the first time I think in the book that we at least see somebody call her general. Uh, she says she was halfway down to her office when the old longing hit her general Sindula never seemed to fit like a perfectly tailored garment that nonetheless belonged to somebody else. She had been a rebel before the Alliance to restore the public had existed. Uh, Back before they'd had fleets and armies, back they back when they hadn't worried about setting bad precedents for a galactic government they were still figuring out how to run. She was a general running a battle group instead of a cell leader flying on the ghost, one mad assignment after another. She still missed her old crew, her family. She wished they could all have been with her aboard the Lodestar. So what do you make of this quote and just the, the character of Hera and where she is in her journey as a as a hero? Yeah, first I would say that I was surprised how much hair was in this novel. I was not <laughs> expecting that much. I honestly thought yeah. it would be maybe like an appearance in one chapter or a conversation between Yerika and her. I didn't see this as being like they're going to end up on the Lodestar, a battleship she's um, in command of, and that she would be such a huge part of the story. Um, and I loved it. I was so excited for that. But yeah, when it came to talking about her past and her family, I really felt like it felt like Alexander Freed's hands were tied in that section. Like he wasn't allowed to say very much, um, like like to even mention the name Jason. I was shocked that it didn't get at least mentioned uh, or Kanan. Um, Kanan, not so much, but maybe Jason, just a, a, even just a, like a brief sentence would have been enough for me just to hear where he was, uh, her son. Um and but I but I still appreciated her every uh, when she talked about her past, like in this section and just how far she's come and where she is now. And, and I think um, I guess, yeah, just how uh, her the battle wasn't like, I guess I think after Endor thinking maybe the victory was theirs, but realizing how much they still had to do with this new republic um, being formed and this uh, all the uh, what do you want to say all the responsibility on her shoulders and her feeling all this responsibility for the people around her and so um i, I definitely understand why jason wouldn't be there for sure i just would be interested to know where he was but um i definitely was super excited to see how integral she was to the story and to the uh, kind of being a mentor for i'd say erica that i didn't see coming yeah she really like with this quote that i read she really uh like you said, she has a lot of responsibility on her shoulder, which is crazy to think about because the Republic is so much bigger than herself and her ship. Um, but she's still dealing with so much on such a small scale, even like with leading the Alphabet Squadron, having to take command of them, and also trying to figure out resources and and, and like she said, like make a a good impression on these on these galactic governments that they're trying to figure out how to run. Um, I feel like she's really really missing the ghost crew in this book. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think this is going to be the last, like you said, she was a lot more involved than you thought. And I don't think that's going to stop at any point. I think she's going to be as integral to this trilogy as, uh, anybody else in the book. And we're really going to see her internal battle with like, 
I miss my family because you always have that group of friends that like you get separated from or you go on your different ways. And then you always kind of miss them and you always have a place for your heart and uh, place for them in your heart. Um, and you always kind of wish for the old days, you know, that we all have those people. And I, I think that's the battle she's fighting. I also really hope that with no mention of her in the current trilogy, that we don't see her possible death in this trilogy, which I'm like starting to think that could become a really good possibility because we don't really know much about Hera after this timeline. It'd be interesting. I think that I definitely think we're going to lose someone in the squadron. Um, maybe in like uh, book two or three um, is like a catalyst for the rest of the squad. And then maybe whoever dies, Hera has to come fly in their place. So she has to join up to like finish the squadron uh-huh. or something like that. Yeah. Maybe if Cha- may- I mean, if Chas dies, maybe she- Hera is like, well, I, I, flew the first b-wing so i'll come in and do that um i i think Hera's tragedy might come from something to do with because you said yeah we don't mention jason right in this whole book i'm wondering timeline wise is it a possibility that he's with luke if he's four cents or is this too early because i think he's like five years old here or so five or six he's pretty young i mean jedi were taken at six months right i mean is there a possibility that maybe He's off because I think for to not be mentioned at all, I feel has to be he's either dead, which is sad because he's five, <laughs> um, or he's off doing something with somebody. So I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe we see him in two or three. Yeah, Lucasfilm has a policy like Dave Filoni. They they won't let authors say some things a lot of times. I'm trying to think what some other books like that. You they, like Ahsoka. You just have to be really careful what you say sure. about a lot of canon characters because of what might come in the future. So I I don't think yeah. anything too. I don't look at it too deeply as it being um anything bad. And I don't. I really don't think Hera would send her kid away to Luke. <laughs> like we were talking about this in the Rebel fandom online, and we're like, uh, we just or we don't see that happening, especially not at that young. And I don't think Luke would take anybody that young because um, sure. he's not like the old school Jedi either. So uh, I really think he's with either Zeb or with um, somebody um, that we know probably um, somewhere out there safe. I would say you're correct when you say his hands are tied writing this rose because like you said, Filoni has this vision of Hera in his head. He doesn't necessarily want to make it concrete just yet because he's still kind of figuring it out most likely mm-hmm. and, and doesn't want to commit to anything too soon because he wants to give the character, uh, you know, it's full, it's, uh, it's full thought process and really like flesh her out. Um, so he needs to take his time with that. So it's like, keep it as general as you can freed, you know, bring her in for this specific purpose, but don't too, don't touch too much on the family. Don't touch too much about like, you know, he, she, it only says she misses her old crew. She doesn't say like, I miss Sabine and Ezra. Like, right. Where are they now? Wait. You know? So like, I think that's the kind of thing where it's like, okay, don't mention those names because if you do, then it implies that potentially they're still alive and blah, 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 blah. And you get all these speculations going on and then Filoni's got to clean it up later. So I, I agree with you. I think his hands are just tied and it's just like, you know what? Minimalist effort here. Let's just try to keep it um, as light as possible. Um, but I also think now that thinking about your comment too, I think that might mean she actually does survive astrology because I don't know if necessarily anybody else should kill off Hera except for Dave Filoni. Yep. Um, that's where, that's which, where I am right now at least. Yeah, yeah. So I think and that's. I, who I wrote think that we'll tweet get at the more. beginning about getting a Hera book, but I'm with her. We'll definitely storm Lucasfilm if anything happens to Hera. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I love that Hera is involved in this trilogy. Um, did you guys have anything else that you wanted to add on, on Hera in, in general? Or um, I guess we can talk a little bit actually about just the, you know, leadership and, and winning the war. That's an important concept. She says at one point we weren't ready to to win this to win this war, which I think is an interesting way to put it. Because like, yeah, it happens. You get to the top of the hill, and it's like, okay, we don't have the resources. We're we were a really small rebel alliance operating in the shadows with barely any resources and pretty much only one because of a Jedi. Now that Jedi is off doing his own thing, and we're stuck with just the pure logistics of, of wartime and building a government and all this stuff. And I think that's an idea that I really like was explored. It's not just sunshine and roses after Endor. It's like really tough to get by and, and, and times are tough. Yeah. I mean, that that's the history of warfare, right? I mean, in, in yeah. human history, it's the great, we got these giant battles, but then everyone doesn't immediately say, all right, we lost. You're right. You're the good guys. Now we'll all be friends. Like you have to clean it up. You have to, there's going to be people that are always going to be loyal to the the lost evil, you know, that you got to kind of deal with. Um, Claudia Gray's bloodline did a great job with this too. If you guys haven't read that about Leia being a Senator and figuring out, okay, now how does the new Republic work with the military and, and is gone. We don't need that, but how do the politics work now? How do we actually deal with the Senate again and all that kind of stuff. And I think that Freed did a nice job of acknowledge, didn't make it dull because that stuff can get boring easily. But I think he did a great job of acknowledging it's really easy to band together and be patriotic when you got a common enemy. But then mm-hmm. when you got to live your day-to-day lives, that's when you find the small stuff you don't like about people. So it, it Yeah, was and when right and wrong starts to gray more, mm-hmm. like we said earlier. Yeah, and it sounds like uh, exactly like what you were saying, Eric, that John Favreau with the Mandalorian is talking about the exact same thing um, at the panel at Celebration, that it's this world after the war and everyone is living in chaos, basically, and who's going to be the new leader and how do you decide and get along with people that you used to hate? And yeah, so it'll be, it's a really, these are interesting themes that keep coming up in Star Wars. I'm loving it. Yeah, I mean, and even it, goes, it can be as simple as like, who, who do I send my taxes to now? <laughs> like, 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 did your planet used to be run by a moth, and now is that moth a, a governor, or, 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 or do you wait for the next representative of the New Republic to come? Has the New Republic gotten to your planet yet? Are you still technically a fascist state? Like, it's all this weird. There's a lot going stuff. on. Yeah, that's like. And the galaxy is a big place. Like, we're talking like there's a lot of planets to start cleaning up. It's not just yeah. Coruscant. In Endor. <laughs> I mean, that's a huge reason why the separatists movement happened in the prequel trilogy was that it was very easy for Dooku to go to them and say, hey, don't you feel like the main Senate is just ignoring you? Don't you feel like you're not getting the resources you need? And then they're like, yeah, you're right. And then, I mean, that it's so easy to sow dissent when there's so many people that need help. And yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's even very applicable in our in the you know own U.S. politics, like the yeah. idea of like Middle America, and like you have like the big uh, urban areas that get, have a lot like a condensed population, but then you have the middle states that don't have a lot of that. It's more rural, so I think of that as like the outer world, outer uh, outer rim worlds, mm-hmm. and like the core worlds, and that's even brought up a Master and Apprentice, where like I think somebody brings up to Obi Wan, like he he never knew what it was like to have to grow up like that. He was always living in Coruscant, like sheltered by the Jedi temple and his own experiences. And that's just such an interesting concept to start bringing up. It's like the inequality between all these different worlds and also just like 
How does the Republic build from that? Um, and, and to anybody's point too, that like, oh, like the stupid sequel trilogy, can't believe they released it. Like there is so much going on. Like they didn't just celebrate Yubnub for like another 20 years with Wicket drinking a whisk, a rum and Coke on the, uh, on the, <laughs> you know, the Ewok swing set. Like he, they had to start building stuff. Like the world's not going to be perfect and, yeah. and they're not just going to be singing into the night every day. It's, it's the 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 world moves on and things happen and people die and uh heroes fail and and, and it's not the it's not the, the story that you th- you want necessarily it's just like reality you know yeah like, and i think gonna, that's I'm why this gonna, book paints it so well yeah man i'm not gonna watch your 48 minute youtube video about why holdo should have been lando and ryan johnson sucks like shut <laughs> up. So, so, sorry official living force uh utini uh rule shut up if you're, if you're harassing people and yelling about how the sequels ruined everything, I'm sorry. Okay. Like, yeah. We're moving on. <laughs> yeah. Which like, it's totally cool to like a happy ending, but there are no happy. Like, I, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but uh, you know, there aren't happy endings. Like things continue to, to, to move on, you know? And, and that's, yeah. And I think it's great that they're exploring this idea of you're getting the politics and the military in the books. And now you're getting the underworld perspective with the Mandalorian and you're going to probably get even more with resistance uh, season two and season three, potentially. Yeah, or I guess that's yeah. still farther past it, but it still dives into those elements of like the racers and spies and all that stuff going on. The first order building up a power in the background. So you, you get a lot of good stuff just from, uh, just from exploring this time period. And I, I like that they're sticking within it right now. I think it's a, a great place to be. Um, I think we're past needing to learn more about between episode three and four. Now just keep showing us stuff between, episode seven or uh, six and seven while even getting more outside of that, you know, with like yeah. older public and other timelines as well. Anything else that you guys wanted to add in just regards to like the idea of war and, and like leadership or anything like that. As far as war goes, I really liked how freed let each character have their own reaction to it. I liked that mm-hmm. he let Erica acknowledge that she was a good Imperial soldier. And then it got too emotionally um, conflicting for her. I like that Naf got out because he got caught trying to scam. So it, it wasn't anything yeah. noble. Um, and then he's just trying to make his way in the universe. I like that Will never lost his love and his... Will Lark's my favorite character, by the way. Yeah. I'm, I'm throwing that out. Um, he's awesome. Yeah. like He never lost his positivity and, and stuff. And Chas was always kind of... Was hardened repeatedly by these horrors she saw and like... Each character looked at the similar events in a unique way that made sense for them. And I think it was really cool of Freed to acknowledge, hey, they're all valid. They're all valid ways mm-hmm. to interpret tragedy and to interpret loss and grief, which is, I mean, that's a thing that's going around in a lot of fiction nowadays, unfortunately, is, hey, the world's real hard. So how do we deal with grief? How do we deal with tragedy? And I think there's this book is a really excellent guide to a bunch of different outlooks you can have on hard events. And I really, really did enjoy that. Oh, that's so well said. I agree. Looking at the character of Erica too, um, one other quote I want to bring up from uh, the conversations with her and, and Hera are also really great, just about mm-hmm. leadership and, and, and how you're supposed to lead people. And I think that's a really interesting topic to bring up in this book. Hera tells her, you expected your people to fly like Imperials. You expected predictability and deference. And that's your right if that's how you want to run your squadron. But these people have spent years learning to trust their comrades and do what has to be done. I'm not saying it's the best way. The 204th obviously operates differently and you outflew us plenty of times, but it's their way. 
and that's on page 233. Mm -hmm. And she also asks her, how well do you know your people? Do they know that you'll fight for them? So I think these are really cool concepts to bring up on the idea of leadership. And I almost, I see a lot of this happening with Erica because she really tries to distance herself, but she's almost doing it like too much to the point where like, as a leader, you have to trust, but inspect. So still be like present and like see what's going on with the people that are, are you're, you're leading and motivating, but also like not micromanage them in ways that is going to make them want to be like not want to follow your lead. And I think that's what kind of happens with her initially. She's micromanaging them on those, uh, on those simulations that they're running. Like you did this and you did that. And you weren't supposed to do this barrel roll and, and all that. Right. And it's a star Fox reference right there for you, <laughs> but, um, do a barrel roll. But, um, and I think she, towards the ends, you know, ITO and, and, and Hera are saying like, how well do you know your people? Do they know you're going to fight for them? And she's kind of like, probably not. They probably just look at me as somebody that is just, giving them orders and telling them what to do rather than somebody that trusts their instincts and trusts how they operate. And I think that's why they're so successful in their final mission is because she takes that step back. She still inspects what they're doing and stays on top of them, but it's like in a more, uh, it's in a more like laid back way. That's like, I'm not going to be in your face about everything. Just, I trust the process. I trust your knowledge of things and, and run with it. And I think that's what makes them successful in their journey, for yeah. at least for this book. Yeah, like Erica really learns to share information with her squad and be like, okay, mm -hmm. we're actually a unit solidly, so I need to open up to you all. Um, to compare her with, um, we mentioned earlier, the Thrawn trilogy, right? Um, and and I, I was lucky enough to get a review copy of Thrawn Treason that I've about halfway through. Jealous. So no, no spoilers, obviously, but... Reading that book and compared to this one has, has made me really look at leaders differently because you have you have a Thrawn who hides literally everything from almost everyone until he needs to say it, right? Like yeah. people under him never know what he's actually thinking, which makes it incredibly frustrating for all his subordinates um, yes. and, and some readers uh, like myself. Yes. <laughs> um, whereas you have Erica who actually learns that, oh, if I try to hide this from you, and try to treat you more like a person under me that needs to follow and no matter what, that's why the empire fails. That's why the trust isn't built. So by the end of this book, I really love the leader she becomes. And I think a lot of that, um, Rose, to your point, and Bradley, you were saying, is because of Hera. It's because of Hera's talks with her, Hera's influence, because we've seen that from day one with Hera, is that mm -hmm. she is like, I'm going to lead you, but I'm going to treat you like my family because you yeah. earn that respect and love from me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was just going to say that one of the turning points um, for the the whole team is when Hera sends them to the, the moon of Harkrova, is that right? Where the Jedi Temple is? And, mm -hmm. and when yeah. they get back, she... she um, so she'll, good. Yeah, and, and it talks about when it starts, it's Erica's perspective, and she's like, I'm being punished, and she wants to test me if I'm going to do this menial, crappy job. But when she gets back and Hera's watching how they're all chummy with each other, and she's kind of like, yeah, I still got it. I know where I'm <laughs> I, I, I know what the Jedi Temple and the Force does. And I mean, this is awesome. I just love Hera and just her compassion to, like, to take um, – to look at people as an individual, not as what they were under an empire or what their old uniform was. I mean, she could have been uh, fighting against these exact people at Scarif or something, but to not hold that, this is, it's an example to me. I'm just impressed and I just love her as a character. I just look up to her so much um, in general as one of the Star Wars characters I just love to death. Um, so yeah, I just love that part of the book though. 
And I knew Freed wrote her well because every line I read from Hera was in Vanessa Marshall's voice. I was like, yep. there you go. You, you did it. Like, 100%. if I can't read, if I can't read your lines and the voice of that character, you're not writing that character right. Uh, and, and she was written perfectly. <laughs> and, and something just so heartbreaking with Erica, too, is towards the end when they're having the celebration after, you know, they, they, they go through the whole mission and they, they save the planet and all that. And... Erica is not really celebrating with them. Again, it's that like, I'm not going to get involved. I'm here inspecting you guys, but I'm, I'm your boss kind of. So I can't really like be like drunk with all of you. I yeah. just need like you to like, let you guys, let your guys enjoy yourselves and not make you feel like you can't be yourselves because your yeah. boss is present or watching you. Cause sometimes that's like, you know, you go to the Christmas party at work <laughs> and you're yeah. like, Oh, I got to, uh, I can't drink all those Long Island iced teas in front of my boss, <laughs> exactly. you know, but when you're, once your boss leaves, it's like, all right, here, here comes the shots, you know? So right. it's like the same thing with those people is like, you know, Nath and Will are having the heart while are having the heart to heart and, and even Chas is getting involved and, and, and they're all having a great time. And, and you see like ITO and Erica just having that side conversation and she's kind of looking at all of them enjoying themselves. And it was also really heartbreaking to see that. And I was like, She's doing the right thing, but it's so hard. It's hard for her to watch because she like she knows she succeeded, but that's like the extent to like what she can go now. Like she can't get more involved, just like leave things how they are. Let the let the status quo now ride itself out. The the squad is working together. What what did you guys think of that? Those final moments in the book. Man, I think you nailed it. Honestly, I think that it it, it kind of reminds me like if Mon Mothma came to Endor. Like you know, she, she's not coming <laughs> out and hanging out in in the forest because. Because you know that you're in, like you said, you're the boss. So people need that level of community, and I think that Erica absolutely understands that. And I'm interested to see in the next two books if that evolves at all. If Erica gets to a point where she does actually share in those celebrations, or after she meets, um, I mean, again, we said spoilers earlier, but spoiler, 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 spoiler. Like when she, if she meets Soren Keys. Um, I'm assuming in the next book, when they come face to face or something, that's oh. gotta happen. Like, does she then turtle up? <laughs> does she say, "Oh my God, yeah. wait, my mentor is still alive, and now I have to fight him"? Is she gonna withdraw even further and lose that progress? Because man, you're talking about heartbreak. That's that's gonna break me. Like, that she's finally found the friendships. She's just about to go in for a hug, and then it all gets sucked away because of her whole life. Like, it's gonna it's gonna wreck us. Yikes. <laughs> yeah we, we got to talk about soaring keys here i don't know about you guys but those interludes with mm -hmm. Devin and I'm like who is this guy i yeah. this is just my, my my fan fiction mind working i swear to god i thought it was gonna be the mandalorian for some reason i was like <laughs> sure, reading yeah. pedro pasquale's face the entire time i was like awesome. oh this could this could be it this could be it. like because it just seemed like a badass because he goes into that one factory and he comes out and the whole thing's exploded and he's just like cool guys don't look at explosions i'm leaving this planet you're like what the hell yeah. <laughs> um so but when it turned out to be soaring keys i was like so mind blown so i was like i did not expect that at all i literally was like oh shit out loud and i was mm -hmm. like oh my god um yeah it's insane like rose how did you feel about that that reveal at the end because i i mean yeah oh yeah that's an interesting um kind of a look at like how Erica was treated by because uh, she was kind of out of traitor's remorse picked out of this uh all these defectors of because of her usefulness by the intelligence um bureau yeah and then here you have um Soren Kizo I I don't know if 
I'm trying to think. Was he a higher rank than her? Is he her commander? Yeah, he was. Okay. I think it was like him and Nurus who ran the 204th. Okay. And then, so I guess, but it's interesting. Like they didn't, I guess they didn't see a use for him or that he felt like it was, it wasn't a welcoming crowd that had come to get him. And so he had the opposite reaction where he fought back and killed these guys. <laughs> and, all like, yeah. and I'm like, Oh, okay. And, and he's not going to go live a peaceful life. He's actually going to go back and continue fighting for the empire. That was like, I was just shocked. Honestly, I was like, wow, I did not see that coming at all. Yeah. It's like that moment of, okay, I, you told me to be a good guy. I'm going to try it. All right, fine. Then I'm going to try to be a neutral guy. Okay, fine. Like he keeps, he tried to follow the rules and then it's like, you know what I'm, I'm really, really good at being in charge of an assassination fighter wing. So I guess <laughs> I'll just do it. It's, it's like a, it's like, it's like Thanos in what Marvel movie it was when he grabs the gauntlet and he goes, I'll do it myself. Like that's oh, what yeah. I saw him doing. <laughs> and uh, I mean, they're, they're screwed. I mean, he's, he's such a tactical genius and it's, it's a perfect literal post credit scene for this book. I was like, applauding for you to being like dude you 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 as i said earlier you nailed this book this whole plot is done but ooh, you made me want the next one yes. <laughs> yeah with that. the moment for me that i that foreshadows the most i i in my opinion is on page 115 so if you guys want to open up your books and read along if you're listening but it's when uh Keys and Erica are talking to each other. And these were some of the best moments in the book when we had these flashbacks to Erica and her former commanders, like, ha you know, having these discussions. And it's, it, she says, uh, you know, she, she's kind of, uh, I think, I think she had just gotten over killing some people. And he tells her if you respected them, that would be easier. And she's, and she, but she's saying, I, I think I pity them. Um, and she starts to talk about the empire itself. And he, uh, he gestures with one hand and he's like, continue. And he gets, he begins to pace around the room. And it's kind of like the interrogation scene, you know, where like mm -hmm. you put the, you put the light up to the person's face. Um, and she says the empire, the emperor began by promising to reorder the decaying and corrupt Republic after the clone wars. And he did it. The corporate powers lost influence. Petty, petty crime rates dropped. Local governments had to answer directly to him if they failed or abused their people. She later goes on to say, now, though, we've gotten inefficient again. There's probably more corrupt governors out there than there were 10 years ago, and that can't all be blamed on the rebellion. The famines in the Dairokeen cluster are real. Even petty crime is going up again in places, which is funny because Devin, who is Keys, eventually does some of that petty crime himself. Mm -hmm. She says, the rebels are making things worse, but we're not making things any better. And he says, our empire is as corrupt as it is glorious. We've done so much wrong and so much right but you're a soldier, Lieutenant, and that means you're faced with the burden of every soldier since the galaxy was formed. Soldiers can't choose their battle battles. A soldier fights for an imperfect nation, not a perfect ideal. And she says, we fight for the Emperor. And he says, we fight for them, Lieutenant. We fight for our brothers and sisters besides us. Always remember that. And the reason that he gets so flustered at the end is because she didn't remember that. She chose not to fight for her brother and sisters. Mm -hmm. She chose to fight against them. So when he sees her name on the news in that bar, it harkens back to this conversation. He realizes she did not, she's not following true to herself. And yeah. I'm going to go show her like what that's going to result in. And she's going to regret it. Yeah. Because she says the, the emperor is gone, but the 204th is not. 
So, yeah. so I can at least go make sure that my people I trained, that my people that I trusted are okay. And we're, I'm going to fight for them now because he doesn't have to fight for an empire anymore. He's kind mm -hmm. of unrestricted at this point. So why not go back to what you're really good at? And hopefully, you know, maybe he tries to recruit his protege along the way. And oh, there's so many maybes and there's so many possibilities <laughs> in these next two books. I and know. It's just, I mean, I always said it at the top, but every time I talk about this book or think about this book, I like it more and more and more. And it's just, it's such a feat, I think, this this book as far as the Star Wars canon goes. Yeah, Rose, what do you hope to see in, in the, the future of these next books now with Keys coming back, the squads together, they're working well, they're meshing well, Yerika is getting the hang of the leadership ropes. What what do you hope to see? What do you anticipate you might see in the in the next two novels? Yeah, I was thinking that one of the harder parts of this novel for me was understanding the Imperial side and um, Shadowing and their structure and who's in that. So if they were now the keys is back, maybe they'll focus a little bit on that on the second. Um, book that I could get to meet that team a little or at least what they're thinking or more about um their motivations or how they maybe see alphabet squad or that'd be interesting as well um but yeah I'm just excited to see how our team progresses and and see more of her <laughs> oh god there's yeah. gonna be such a battle between those two though Erica <laughs> and, and keys oh Can I, I can't wait to see the thought. moment she finds out he's he's alive he's gonna kill us you want to know a theory that um my buddy Corey on, on the on the podcast came up with while we were talking that absolutely destroyed my soul. Oh no. So <laughs> Will spends the whole book talking about home, right? How he's like, I want to go back to, Pol to Polinius, but I have a job to do. I have a job to do. And he stays with the squadron, right? Yeah. Right. So they're setting it up. Like he's so cute. We, I feel like, Oh, he should die. And like, it, cause he's so nice, but I think that's too easy. What oh, if, no. what if, he, he decides, all right, I'm going to go back home to Polinius. Our, our thing is over. I want to take the squad back to show them what it is. And Polinius has been Operation Cindered. Ooh. So he goes oh back to see his home God. on fire. Oh, my God. Dude, that's dark. Doesn't, doesn't that just, and, then he's, and then he's like snaps and starts to go rage angry. And Nath or Chas is the one that has to say, no, kid, like, don't don't turn like we did. Don't snap. You got you're okay. And they have to like oh. console him after he's lost his home. What if that happens? That's yeah, actually like really that. that'd be really good for his character arc for sure. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. But it, Corey came up with that, and I was like, dude, I'm not gonna sleep oh, for two man. years. Uh, Is so that when the next book's coming out? Is it really two years? No, no, uh, every year. No, I hope he's joking. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's oh yeah. I'm always joking. I like narratively. I like it just purely for plot. I think it's well thought out, but my 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 heart might not be able to take it. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Oh, 2020 gosh. and 2021 are the next two. Delray. Oh, thank God. So. I'm thinking that we'll probably get it around celebration next year, and they're gonna have a con exclusive cover. Oh well, I'm I'm going. Yeah. Next year's my first celebration. I'm saving up. I already got my tickets. So. Ooh, yeah. Oh, you didn't go to you didn't go to Chicago. No, I think it's because I'm I live in Chicago now, but I was working oh, on right. a theater contract yeah. in Alabama at the time, so oh. I was still paying rent on my apartment in Chicago. But yeah. I couldn't go to oh, celebration. No. Oh no. But no, I got my tickets all set. I'm like I'm literally starting to save now because I'm going to do the Galaxy's Edge and Celebration in in the same week. 
Yeah. And man, if they have a con exclusive cover for Alphabet Squadron, I'm getting I'm getting Whew. three. Like put it on the carry on. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Rose, are you going to celebration next year? Or have you been? No, I've never been before. Um, yeah, unless they come to Europe, or I probably won't ever. <laughs> yeah, go yeah, ahead. they've been to Europe a few that. times. I think yeah. they'll, I think they'll go back at some point. But uh, maybe, you know, maybe if you, uh, if you let us know, we could try to get you the Alphabet Squadron exclusive uh, cover. <laughs> there you go. You story. I can't wait to get the next one in my hands. It'll be amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh God. Well, I guess you know we're we're kind of wrapping up here with the review. I think we've covered covered a lot of good just commentary on the book. You know, I didn't really want to go through. I didn't want this to be a podcast about like, uh, you know, step by step step of plot and like here are the different characters. I I kind of wanted to more talk about the themes and the the ideas behind what was written. And I think we did a really good job of that, which I'm I'm super stoked about. This is the first time I've ever reviewed a book. Like formally, it's fun. Um, it's fun, man. Except for all the book reports that I, that I drafted up like the night before they were due. So this is a good. You know, I pre- yeah, I prepared a little more for this this time around, which is which was good. Um, one 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 of my favorite passages for the book, and I have to bring this up. And, and Rose, you brought it up earlier, is when they go to the the moon of uh, Hark Hark Rova, uh, and this is on page two forty eight. If you if you want to follow along, two forty eight through like two fifty ish, I guess. Um, they go to the Jedi temple. They're, they're getting a supply run for Hera and they, they find out that it's a Jedi temple and there's almost this like light show going on. And it's, it's really interesting because it's, it's not like, uh, there's like cosmic lights going on. It's just like holes. If I correct me if I'm wrong, it's holes in the trees where the sun is either setting or rising. And because of that light, it's creating certain illusions within the, the temple. Is that correct? Yeah, the interpretation of it, I think. Yeah. yeah so um, they're talking about how they're watching this and, and there's like almost like three phases of it. So there's the galaxy as it was, which is how Wild puts it. And they, they say, you know, the stars rotated around here. The others were present, but they were looking up and were only shadows and peripheral vision. Chas has ever been interested in astronomy, but somehow she recognized what she saw. Familiar stars around them, flecks that were the world she had visited, worlds she'd loathed and run from all along, with worlds she'd secretly treasured. They whirled and blurred together one moment, then crystallized if viewed through a corrective lens. The universe blazed and burned, furious and beautiful. Then the next step, as Wow puts it, is the galaxy as it became. The whirling increased in speed and the dark between the stars grew deeper. The emptiness became a hungry emptiness and its stars became food for a ravenous void. Against the dark, the light stood out clearer in the contrast, almost too painful to watch. She wanted to dance. She wanted to fight. That's Chas. And the last is the galaxy as it is. Then dawn came, the dim light of the yellow sun encroached through the windows of the spire. The deepest blackness turned pale and imperfect and unthreatening. The brightest stars dimmed and they were only stars like any Chas could see. Like the stars she took in at a glance from her cockpit, mundane and unstoried, there was no longer a shadow over the galaxy. And when I read these three passages, I was like, that that is Star Wars. That is literally Star Wars. That is the story of Star Wars. Yep. And it's it's so beautifully written because I think of it almost as literally the telling of of time. And it's it's why I think there's gonna be balance brought to the force in the rise of Skywalkers, because the Jedi the Jedi knew like how things went. It's like there's dark that comes into the world. The dark that is 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 uh, where the the stars are becoming food for a ravenous void, and dark is encroaching everything. It's like the old Sith wars during the the old Republic, and it's it's now Palpatine, like what he's been doing, and then eventually there's this dawning 
that comes and and light comes back and, and kind of washes out all the darkness and there's no longer a shadow over the galaxy. So what do you guys think of this? I, I feel like it's really telling. I know I'm probably reading into it a little more, but or a little more than I need to be. But I, I think it's just beautifully written, honestly. I, I'm, I was so impressed. Yeah, I, I think you're reading into it as, exactly as much as, as you want and can. I mean, I think that's the beauty of these novels and the beauty of Star Wars is that there's so much in it that you can find if you want. There's also just a great story on the shallow level if that's what you want. But Freed really does have such a skill for descriptive emotional language. And it's littered throughout the book. So I love that. I agree. Yeah, I thought the same thing. And I didn't actually see it until just now when you were reading it, exactly what you were saying about looking at all of the saga in the through that lens or all of the different trilogies even through that lens and it's just it's an amazing mm -hmm. um visual picture of that yeah i'm a firm believer that everything that's in any movie or any book like the author is planting it there for a reason and i i truly think he put this in there for that reason it's like a, a larger narrative of, of what's happened in star wars and i th and, and it's why dawn's going to come in the rise of skywalker and and, and the deepest blackness is going to turn the pale and imperfect and unthreatening and that deepest blackness could very well be kylo like turning unthreatening and becoming a a, a more brighter star and like I, I don't know there's just so much to read into this <laughs> so i can much. probably talk about it for an hour yep. <laughs> was there anything was there anything that you guys wanted to, to mention before we wrap it up here anything that stood out to you in the book or any any last thoughts of, of what really excites you about the future of this trilogy uh one one thing i wanted to touch on that i really liked that free did um, was that uh, Erica and Will are both uh, queer characters. I thought it was really nice that he's through, like, Erica's bisexual, Will's gay. Um, and I just want to, like, acknowledge that we're getting more characters of more diverse backgrounds in Star Wars. Uh, mm -hmm. Erica's also a woman of color, which is great. Um, anyway, it's Erica's not... bi, too, I think, right? Yeah. Isn't yeah. she yeah, bisexual? Bi. Yeah, you said that? Okay. Yeah, and... I think that's just great. I think it's cool that we're, it's not made like a focus of the book of how is she finding her identity? Like it's just who she is and yeah. moving on. And I think that's really cool that authors are, are not making it the focus of their books, but they're like, yeah, these people exist in the galaxy. So just a quick shout out to Freed for, for doing that. That's really cool. Yeah. It's important. The yeah. representation is definitely important because people want to read these books and identify with a character. And for somebody out there, Yurika could be, very well be the character that they've identified most with in all of star Wars. And that's awesome. Exactly. I uh, think that might happen, you know, for the future of the tr future of that trilogy, I'm going to jump on what, what Rose was saying earlier. I need more Hera. Love that. Yeah. And I just can't wait to hang out with these guys more. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait either. Uh, Rose, what about you? Any, any final thoughts to, to wrap it up here? Yeah, there was only one character I didn't mention that I just, I always appreciate in Star Wars, everything they do, there's always droids that I just fall, kind of fall in love with. And, <laughs> yes. and here, Alexander Freed does it with a freaking torture droid. I kind of actually, <laughs> I kind of fell in love with the dang thing, which is totally is against my <laughs> brand of being a, a total Leia fan and not liking the one in the new hope. But obviously this one was much different, I guess. Yeah. It was, that was <laughs> crazy, but I kind of liked him. And so it's just her. Yeah, it's amazing. It was really cool. I kept reading the droid in, in uh, K2SO's voice, but kind of like a more grim version of it. It's just like <laughs> the Alan Tudyk sarcasm. I was like, they could totally get Alan Tudyk to do some like voiceovers if they ever uh, had to had to bring this character to life in some other medium. Yep. <laughs> Glad you brought him up. Hanging off of it, but I, I kept picturing the one in A New Hope with his droid just uh, kind of uh, hovering around with these ugly needles and stuff pointing at it. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's awesome. I'm glad you brought him up. We can't forget ITO. He's just, he's a true legend. I think he's got some big things to come in this in this uh, next two books. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both, uh, Eric and Rose, for coming on the show today. I, I love chatting about books. I'm a huge bookworm. Uh, so where can people find you on Twitter and, and, and so on? Uh, yeah, my, uh, personally, I am just at Eric Eilerson on Twitter and, uh, my podcast living force podcast is at living force pod and utini.com where I do the writing and the book reviews for stuff like this is at utini underscore us. So those are my places. Yeah. And I'm just hanging out on Twitter, Alderanian Rose at Alderanian R and you can find me there to talk about Star Wars anytime. But yeah, thank you so much for having us. And this was so much fun just to chat about something I totally love. And it was just great to hear your guys' perspective and think about new things I hadn't thought about. And now I'm even more excited to go back through this book, actually, and look at a few things that I missed and then what's coming in the future for the next um, two books. 100%. Yeah, well, you all, you guys are always welcome to come on the podcast. You're officially now friends of the Force. I mean, everybody's a friend of the Force, but, you know, you've now been inducted into the <laughs> yes! podcast uh, commentators. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. This is a blast. So, yeah, th- yeah, again, thank you for taking the time out of your day. And for all of you listening... Uh, make sure to go check us out at Friends of Force on Twitter. We also have a Patreon now, so you can find that on Twitter as well or in the show's description. We do have some pretty cool tiers if you're interested in joining. The, the $1 tier gets you the episode early, uh, access to Discord, uh, and some other, uh, other goodies as well on there. So um, until next time, we're all Friends of the Force, and may the Force be with you always.